And so um, that's exciting, but it gets better. We had four people join our church last Sunday morning. Last Sunday night, last Sunday night, we had uh, over 175 people on campus. I wish I'd have had a drone to get a picture last Sunday of that because it looked like a Sunday morning with the park in here. Because last Sunday night, we had over 70 adults start experiencing God. And just um, commercial, we've got one additional teacher starting tonight, so y'all's groups won't be as big. And we have one more that said that they'd be willing to step in and lead if we, if we had. So it's not too late to start that study. So that's my commercial for experiencing God. But we had over 70 adults start experiencing God last Sunday. We had over 40 youth and workers in here. We had over 50, almost 60 um, children and, and adults in Awana. What an amazing day, right? All right, so this is what I need you to do for me real quick. Just humor me in this. Close your eyes. No looking around. I need everybody to close your eyes. And I'm doing this on purpose because some of you husbands might not know. But while your eyes are closed, nobody's looking. Is there at least two ladies in here that might be pregnant? Raise your hand. Your husbands aren't looking. Okay. All right. Y'all can look up. Guys, you're safe. Nobody raise their hand. We had at least 198 in Sunday school this morning. So I was trying to get two more. Right? Right? Is there anything wrong with that? Huh? I'd count them. But anyway. So now let's get serious. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to be in Matthew 4, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew 6, Jonah 3. Matthew 4, Matthew 6, Jonah 3. If you have a Bible like me, that's page 1182, 1185, and 1135. So if you don't have one, you've got to go and find it. You know, the first week we talked about the simple life, about being simple. We talked about... Um, the Bible and about Scripture and about how it's God-breathed and it's God's Word. Last week we talked about prayer and how that should be like our breath, literally, and that means just to, to go to God and pray all the time. Today we're talking about something that a lot of churches, um, they dance around, they really don't talk about. And I guess whenever I started preparing for this several months ago, I can only think of three or four sermons in my life, and I've been in church since nine months before I was born, that I've heard somebody preach on fasting. You know, and fasting is one of the, it's a discipline is the best way to describe it. It's not a command that says you have to do this. But if you want to walk closer to God, this is a really good discipline to do. Does that make sense? So we're going to read on this in Matthew 4, chapter 1. It said, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God... Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Just say that we love you, Father, and I thank you for this beautiful day you've given us, Father. Just, Father, how you've already shown up and shown off today. But, Father, right now, Father, I just ask as we read your word and we talk about your heart, Father, that we'll leave here changed people. Father, we'll leave here, Father, just searching for you more, Father, and chasing after you harder. Father, because you love us. Father, we love you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, so it's 1120, so we've been in here for 
50 minutes. Last night I had the opportunity to go to Forge, um, as you've heard mentioned, for the, the youth. And for several years, I was over that event. I was the coordinator for the Forge. And so it's close to my heart. You know, student ministry has always been a big part of my life. But doing that event was something that, um, that I worked really hard at. And then whenever God called me to become a pastor, Luke Hand took over that event and started the planning of it. And it's an amazing event for youth. And our association is just funds it in a big way for so that we can keep the cost down. Well, anyway, last night I had the opportunity to go because I just can't stay away from it. And so I, I went last night, and Eddie Briery was the speaker for it. And a lot of y'all might remember Eddie was here back in the fall of last year. Eddie will be back in October of this year. And so he was the speaker, so I wanted to go hear him, but more just to be in the event itself and to to see how God was working. And, and I'll echo everything. I won't repeat everything Austin said, but God showed up. And these students was getting it. And if you ever want to get excited, go hang out at a youth event and watch when youth start getting turned on by God. It will light your wick and set you on fire. And so, um, so anyway, so when I was there last night, Eddie made a statement, and I'd read this statement a while back. It's one of the things you kind of catalog, but it come back to the forefront he said, every year, every year in the United States, 5,000 evangelical churches close. You know, you say, wow, that's a big number, but let's break it down. That's 96 churches a day close. Now, let me tell you, America's not shrinking. There's more people now than there's ever been. And so churches need to be growing, not closing, Right? Since we've been in church since 10.30 this morning, three churches have closed. Let that sink in. Since we've been in here since 10.30, three, closed, three churches in the United States have closed their doors this morning. Now, these churches didn't start five years, 10 years, 100 years, 200 years ago and say, you know, in August of 2019, we're going to close our doors and we're going to quit reaching people. No church starts like that. But if they're not in their Bible and if they're not in prayer and if they're not building and if they're not fasting and if they're not seeking God, they're going to close. Right here this morning, look around. Students, if you're from, if you're a student any age, if you're a student this morning, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Church, we need to be praying for these students because you know what? I'm going to age out at some point. And they're going to be the leaders. Your next pastor might be sitting in this room. Your next worship leader might be sitting in your room. Your next deacon, your next chairman of the building and grounds or, or, or whatever is sitting in this room today. We need to be praying for them. Our Live Oak Baptist Church will be one of those stats. And I'm telling you, I'm going to fight against it with everything I got because that's not what God calls us to do. But if we don't prepare the next generation and that next generation like this beautiful little lady right here smiling at me, she can't see real good because <laughs> she's still smiling. But if we're not preparing these generations, we're going to become a stat. And so this morning, whenever you hear these words and you start looking, well, one, I'm kind of with Lee on this. Going 40 days without food's a long time. Me and Mike struggle to go from when we get here at 7.30 to 11 o'clock most days. I mean, we're planning when we walk in the door where lunch is going to be that day. But when you hear these words and it says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
every word. We've established this is his word. God is this word. There's nothing in here that's false. There's nothing in here that's untrue. There's nothing in here that we need to add. And so whenever we read this and it says that we should feast on this, you know, because every word that comes out of his mouth is, is good. Every word that comes out of his mouth is him. Every word that comes out, we don't need bread. And I like bread. I do. I mean, if you want good, you go get them good hot lunchroom rolls like they used to make when I was growing up and put some butter on top of them. But God says, you don't need that. You've got me. You've got me. And so whenever you look at this, turn over to, to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll start in verse 16. It says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they dis disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, that they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who, see who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, whenever you start thinking about this and you start looking at fasting, I run across an illustration, and it kind of hit kind of close to home to me. My wife loves hot tea. Why? I don't know. I mean, who drinks hot tea? Anybody here drink hot tea? Do you drink hot tea and you put half and half or you put milk in it? See, I don't know. It just makes no sense to me. Just take that top off that 20-ounce Diet Coke and the world goes round. <laughs> and so, but my wife drinks hot tea every morning. And we've got this one pot that has probably boiled more water than any pot in the world. And I bought that pot right before me and her got married over 30 years ago. And when I bought that pot, she said, you're wasting your money. We we're going to get a lot of pots for, for our wedding gifts. But me and David Timms had to have a pot to, to cook in, to cook our macaroni and cheese back then. And so we boil water in that pot every day. Every day she does. Now, she's learned not to ask me to boil her water because... She told me two or three months ago, she said, Johnny, will you boil some water on you? I have to pass the stove. I cannot get out the house without walking past the stove. She said, will you put the water on the ball? You all by? Oh, sure, I got it. Well, I got to the front. Well, the garbage can's right there. I said, oh, I need to take the garbage out. So I took the garbage out. Water, not boiled. <laughs> not boiled. Squirrel. <laughs> about a week later, walking out of the bedroom, going down that same hall, got to walk past that same stove to get out with the pot sitting right there in the sink. Johnny, can you put the water on your way, on the ball on your way out? Sure, I got this. Got the end of the house, saw my tape measure. I said, oh, I need to measure this stuff so I can get this harder. No water. No water. She don't ask me no more. I don't know why. Kind of offended, but she don't ask me. But you know that water, you boil it. Just boiled water would, is nasty, isn't it? Who drinks just hot water? Who drinks hot water with milk in it? I don't know why the tea changes that much, but apparently it does. <laughs> but you can take that tea bag whenever she's making that, you know, and I can just kind of go, whoop, just barely dip it, right? And it really don't matter. It don't change the taste of it. Or I could go two times through it real quick, and it still don't change it. But when you drop that tea bag in there and let it boil for a couple of more minutes and then you turn it off and you let it sit in that hot water, those tea leaves change that water, don't it? And it changes that and it goes from being just hot, nasty water 
to hot, nasty tea water. <laughs> I still don't get it. Tea's nasty to me. Anything that's that bitter that you got to add that much to, just screw the top off that Diet Coke. But it changes. I believe that there's a lot of us that's like a tea bag in God. Because we'll take our spiritual life and we'll kind of go, whoop, get our toes wet. So that's enough. Whoop, get our toes wet. So that's enough today. Whoop, I'm going to read just for a minute once this week just to say I did it. I'm going to pray one time this week just to say I did it. I'm going to show up at church at 1030 on Sunday morning just to say I did it. But we never just absorb. Does that make sense? God wants us to absorb. So whenever you start looking and you start reading God's word and as you start diving into it, and this morning as we talk about fasting and why is it important, because there's too many things in life that distract us from God. Because this is what I believe. I believe there's more of us that are on a fast from God than are fasting for God. Does that make sense? There's more of us that are fasting from God. And when you start looking and you think, what, what does it mean to fast? For some of us, it's food. Back whenever the scripture written, food was a big deal. Food's still a big deal. I'm all in. Me and Eddie went and killed a, a steak at um, Duke's Friday afternoon as soon as he got into town. That was our first meeting spot. Some of us, we need to fast from food. Some of us, this is worse than food. Think about it. How many hours, does, do, whenever you open your phone, does it say that you're 21 minutes ahead of schedule on social media? Or it's your three, it, I mean, it tells you how, what you're doing wrong or what you're doing well on your phone, on social media and stuff. Some of us, we need to put our phones down for a day. I'm all in for putting it down for 40 days, but some of y'all would think that Jesus brought me home. But some of us, we need to put our phones down. For some of us, when we look at it, what, what are the hobbies? What are the things that keep us from God? Deer season's coming up on us like a storm. Some of us, just being in that deer stand is more important than God. Nothing's wrong with duck hunting. We're not going to knock duck hunting. Some of us, fishing is more important than God. Some of us, let's get real, our hobby is chasing our kids to a fault that it takes us away from God. There's nothing wrong with organized sports. There's nothing wrong with that. But whenever it consumes you, for some of us, we need to fast from these different things. So when you start looking at God's word and you see that he tells us, you know, and then you don't go around telling people, you know, I, I, I'm fasting from my phone tomorrow, so don't call me. If you don't see a post on social media, I'm still breathing. I'm just fasting from that. Or you get ready to go somewhere and say, well, we're, we're going to this buffet today. All you need ribeyes. Well, I can't go when your face gets all funny because I'm starving myself for God. That's what he's telling us. Don't do it so that people know what you're doing. Do it from me. Because the whole point of fasting is saying, God, you're more important than this. God, you're more important than anything else in my life. God, you are the most important thing I can do. And God tells us, he said, I will reward you. I will reward you. That ought to be the only reward that we care about. It's what God says. My day 
that I'm looking forward to is that day that I can fall at his feet on my face and sob. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to sob when I'm in front of him. And for him to look down at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the reward I'm looking for. But a lot of us, we put everything else. We want man's approval or woman's approval. We want our boss's approval. We want our kids' approval. We want our parents' approval. When it's not about that, God says, I will reward you if you come to me. I will reward you when you sacrifice for me. I will reward you when you make it about me. So what's going to protect Live Oak Baptist Church so that 150 years from now, we can look back and and historians say, you know, Live Oak Baptist Church has been here 150 years, and look at the dent it's made in this community around us. It's going to start right here. It's going to start in God's Word. It's going to start whenever we're reading and we're growing. It's going to start whenever we spend our time on our knees praying to Him. It's going to, it's going to be whenever we're fasting for Him and seeking Him. Because that's what it's about. Right now, fourth church just closed since we've been in here. Let that sink in. Are we going to become that stat? There's a world that needs us. There's people around our dining room table that need us. There's people that we're going to sit down at the table next to at lunch today that need to hear God's word. They're going to need to see God lived out in front of us. But we have to sacrifice. We have to be willing to do it. But there's some of us that's scared to death of it because we've got all of God we actually want right now. Because he's not getting in my business. He's not changing my life. He's not making me sacrifice nothing. I got all I want. I'm just dipping my toes. Dipping my toes. Dipping my toes. But that's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to jump off in that water and let that water change everything about us. Water's still water. But when that hot water starts working on them tea bags and that tea... It starts transforming everything, don't it? And that's what God's word tells us. He says, I will transform you. I will do this. But you have to be willing to dive in. You have to be willing to do it. So how many times has we actually done that? You know, how many times have we said, all right, God, you, I'm yours. See, because here's what happens to a lot of us. We get hung up on the salad and appetizer and don't enjoy the whole meal. I can pick on Leah. Where's she at? When Leah goes into a restaurant, she plans the main course around dessert, don't she? I tell her, I plan mine around the main course because I want to enjoy that ribeye. And that's what God's saying. He says, I'm the main course. This is a salad. This is the cake. You don't need this. You need me. Feast on me. Feast on me. Don't fast from me. Fast for me. Love on me. Let me show you what I have for you. We need more churches that are living it. We need more churches. And I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about people that are living it. I saw this question the other day and it was really challenging to me. It said, what percentage of your congregation takes personal responsibility for the battle cry of the gospel? Think about that. 
What percentage of us sitting in here today take personal responsibility for the battle cry of the gospel? And I had to get real honest with myself. I think we have a lot, a lot of good people. And I think we have a lot of people that believe in the gospel. I believe we have a lot of people that want to do it, but to make it the battle cry, to make it part of their life, I don't think it's as many of us. And that ought to become our battle cry. The gospel ought to become our battle cry because there's people that need to see him. There's people that need to hear him. Does that make sense to us? What's your battle cry? What's your battle cry? What are you feasting on today? Because for live oak to survive, it has to be the gospel. I had somebody, meant, well, I was talking to this week, somebody that um, I tell you is a friend of mine. And he, um, he looked at me, straight face looked at me. He said, when are you going to get off your soapbox of Sunday school and small groups? I just kind of looked at him. I said, you serious? Yeah. When are you going to get off that soapbox? I said, one, it's not a soapbox. One, I'm hanging on for dear life to that cross, pointing, telling people it's empty, that our God is resurrected, our God died for them, and that our God is here for them. It's not a soapbox for Sunday school. It's a soapbox for discipleship. How are we going to know? How are we going to equip these young people that scattered around in here if we're not telling them who God is, if we're not teaching them who God is, so that when they walk into a school and their friends try to destroy their faith because there's more kids in public school now that claim to be atheists than they do to be Christians. They have to know. And it's our job, not my job, not Brother Mike's job, not Brother Donnie's job, not Brother Frank's job, it's our job to equip our students, to equip our young people, to equip ourselves because we're going to be challenged. But if we're feasting on God, if we're really feasting on Him, He's going to grow us. And whenever He starts growing us, then we can't help but take it out.